Thank you so much for having us at your house. This is the Super Progressive Podcast, and this is our first in-person interview. Really? Yeah. And Thank you for uh, inviting me. Yeah, definitely. We couldn't imagine doing it with a better subject. And um, so it's an exciting time. You are uh, performing again. What's it feel like to be back behind the booth DJing? Um, first of all, it feels great just to be out. Uh, second of all, a little nervous. I haven't played in a long time. Um, like many people, gone through a roller coaster of emotions. But to be back, and I've done a bunch of shows now, is a wonderful feeling. And, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And just to reconnect, really, and see people who I haven't seen in 17 months. Definitely. Um, so, bunch of shows and a lot more coming. Yeah, and you got a lot going on. <coughs> you have, you're already performing shows. You have an album coming out. My, I'm really excited by that, because that's been a r real labor of love. It's been difficult. I won't really go into it in too much detail, but it's not easy when you're when you're recording a lot of music and with different collaborators and management and lawyers and teams. All I really want to do is make a record and put it out. So it's been hard, um, but now I'm just so happy that we've finished it, it's done, and it's coming out next week. We're definitely excited to listen to it, and I'm sure all your Thank fans you. are too. Today we're here to talk about something that happened 26 years ago in 1994. <laughs> and so I figure... I believe it's 26 years since I've done that mix. It's crazy. So what I'm going to do right now is set the stage. There, I don't think there was a stage. Yeah, I mean, well... <laughs> it was in, <coughs> in Goa in those days. There wasn't this beach. Yeah, definitely. Well, what I've, uh, I have Pete Tong's preamble from the mix at the ready. So, yes. What did he say? Welcome to tonight's essential mix. I'm Pete Tong, and tonight we take you on a bit of a fantastic voyage. Thank you, Pete Tong. Although firmly marked down on the hippie trail since the late 60s, it's only in the last four years that Goa in India has become the place to go each winter if you're a serious dance music fan in search of those now legendary full moon beach parties yep. that bring ravers, hedonists, and backpackers from all over Europe. And most of us, like me, won't be going, so we staged our own full moon party here at 1FM. We're all on the guest list. But none of us are going. Stand by. You memorize those words. For the mix that was voted the number one essential mix of all time by the fans, I felt like it was my responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Definitely. So I want to start this like everybody talks about Ibiza. People talk about places like Mykonos. People talk about places like Tulum. But not a lot of people talk about Goa. So I was wondering if first you can explain the magic t of the island to us and what it was like to go there for the first time. The thing, the difference between the three places that you named and Goa, Goa's underground. The other three are commercial resorts, commercial destinations, commercial places. I mean, I used to go to Tulum 
a long time ago, <coughs> and it was wasn't commercial with the English, um, but it was with the Italians. But Goa is just different. Goa is a stretch of beach. Um, Goa is a place where it's known for psychedelic music. And out of the psychedelic music came the Goa scene, the Goa style. So the parties wouldn't really start till 2, 3 in the morning. And there was a lot of Israelis, a lot of Indians, uh, obviously. Um, and a lot of travellers who knew that that was a destination, like Copangang, like Singapore in some respects when Zouk was there. There was a there there was a route that travellers would go back in the in that period for dance music. Um so you'd end up in India and you wouldn't go realistically for the music in Bombay or Delhi or Mumbai. You would go to Goa and that's where the real roots of the underground scene was to put it in some contents with the other three places. Definitely. And so you kind of touched on the fact that Goa was more psychedelic. So Goa is a place, but it's also Goa a sound. Goa is a strip of beach. It's a strip of beach. <coughs> so but it, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. So I'd been to and played in those places that you've, you've named many, many years ago. I actually went to Greece before I went to Goa. Or I went to Ibiza, I think I went to Athens. For some reason, the Greeks were really into electronic music. Well, they invented music. Um, Tulum was always probably the nearest thing you would get to Goa back in the day. Um, but no, Goa is, is completely different now. But it was, it was edgy and exciting. It was, it was, let's just say, different. And Juno is a place in Goa where the the Goa sound started. Right. So that's really where all the parties came from. And I went there to play. So I went on that trip. Now, I'd been to India before, but never to Goa. And I've been to Goa many times now. But there was something edgy and spiritual about Goa that I'd never come across anywhere else. What were some defining characteristics of the Goa sound when you talk about the psychedelic sound? The, the, the Goa sound is, a, is psychedelic trance, which is, as we know it today, psytrance. And what I, what I liked and what I was trying to find was the melodic side of it. A lot of it is sounds, speed. And that appealed to me because I'd seen and being in the environment. But what I was trying to source was the melodic side to it. So that's when I started to find it, and then I started to think about, well, how can I incorporate this in my, in my DJ? Because it inspired me. And then I started to think, well, I'm coming across all this great music. Why don't I start a division of my record label, Perfecto Records, and call it Fluoro? So that was really the birth of Fluoro. Wow. He's coming wow. back. What the fuck is this guy? What <laughs> I mean, there's been no helicopters out here and TV <laughs> here. I mean, and now he's coming towards us. For the producers that you featured in the mix, are these producers that you're coming in contact 
by going to Goa and meeting them, or are there other people like you coming to Goa and developing no, the sound? No, a lot of a lot of the producers that I met, I ended up befriending and signing to my label. One of them being the man with no name, who went on to add to become the biggest uh, artist in that space. He even had crossover records that dented the pop charts in England. He had a top 40 hit. It was it was remarkable. And Ian Paul, who was putting on some of the parties, a friend of mine, he would come back to London and we would do parties. So I met a whole new scene of musicians and DJs who I signed to the label. At one time, Perfecto Fluoro was doing better than Perfecto Records. That's cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the reason why this mix started as an essential mix. Can you talk a little bit about what you and Pete were trying to accomplish by releasing this as an essential mix and on a bigger scale, what Pete was able to accomplish with essential mix in terms of bringing new listeners into underground music and broadcasting underground music to well, what, a whole new population? Well, in my opinion, what Pete and the essential mix are, um, and, and was, because it still goes, I know it's nowhere near as popular as it used to be, but it was a landmark. You know, the, the, the team at Radio 1, um, they came together with Pete at the helm and they introduced and showcased DJs from around the world. And the essential mix at that time become became very popular. They would do live shows from Ibiza, from various different places, a lot in the UK, Creamfields, Homelands, um, Gatecrasher, these kind of places. So that concept and not, uh, that idea was was is amazing. Right? I think it's a wonderful opportunity to introduce new talent from our world. They then came to me and said, because at that time I was just travelling everywhere, I was uh, come off you know, a, a, um, a tour. And they were like, well, when you do your next tour, we'd like the Essential Mix to be a part of it. And I, and I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, choose a location, record the set, and we'll broadcast it. So I was like, what, anywhere? And they went, yeah, anywhere you want to go. So I'm like, okay, so I set off to Cuba, Oh, time wow. where there was no turntable, where there was no turntables, and we had to smuggle them in. <laughs> I was in Shanghai in Road Jam twenty years ago when they didn't even really have electronic music. It was this was all when it was pure underground to big shows um, like Homelands and uh, big big festival shows. But the Goa mix was a concept that didn't for me sit comfortably. It was, a, it, it, it was a piece that needed to live on its own. It, it didn't fit, and here's why. Those 12 shows, one a month, was based around me playing live. It was based around me playing a sound that worked to wherever I was. And you had to adapt in those times, and I was fine with that. The Goa mix is built around totally underground sound that no one had heard 
I hadn't heard of it, and, and I was working in the in the bloody music business, and I hadn't heard of it until I went to Goa. So I knew I was onto something extremely new, and I was ahead of the curve. But I didn't know if if two hours of psychedelic trance, unless it's got melody and something to grab on, can be hard to digest unless you're on drugs. Definitely. That's why everyone takes drugs when they when they listen to it in mainly acid. So I, I'm like, okay, so how am I gonna introduce this to a new audience? But also take these key moments within the mix and put them into my DJ set that I can play at a later date. So that enter dialogue and film. Because I'm because I'm a fan of film, because I scored movies, because I knew the emotion and and soul and, and feelings that I got by listening to score, I thought it could work. It, it, it just felt that it could sit comfortably along this, alongside this crazy fucking sound that no one's ever heard. I could just bring it back into line and soften it out just for the palate of people who were into electronic music but never heard this before. And then I thought, well, maybe I should add some dialogue to give it depth. So there's a couple of songs in there that's got dialogue. There's a couple of more trancier songs. There's words. The DJ eases a spliff. Right. That's just words. Um, But it felt right because even with that moment, everyone's stoned or on acid in, in Goa. So I needed a respect that and show that element by putting those words in. What is that? Is that a bag? See that? I'll get, I'll get it. Yeah. It's like a bag. All right. <laughs> yeah, like, so I have a question. When you're, it sounds like you're really experimenting with dialogue and film scores in terms of bringing that into the mix. Were you... Did it just so happen that these ideas happened at the same time, or were you waiting for this Goa mix to to that's experiment? Qu- that's a good question because I, I've I've I was waiting, but but I was waiting because it was I couldn't really I knew I could find music that would work with score, but it needed to have balance, and I don't think the Goa mix would have been so popular unless I really pushed it out there. I mean, people were coming up to me saying, where did you get this music from? What is this? Remember, they didn't even know the movie scores. It, it's There wasn't a lot of people I knew who was fan of film, but I was. So I sourced the music and done the research. Uh, so I already found my favourite music from film, and there's some really uncommercial music within that mix. Most of it is built around something that's not commercial at all. Definitely. And it sounds cool to have um, one of one of like the important things for DJs, I feel like, is to always bring new music to the table. But what you're dealing with is all of cinema, but no one has pulled these songs into a mix before so you may have almost had your pick of the litter in terms of doing something new it was 
it was looking back it, it was a combinations of of it was a combination of things that came together at the right time uh, i was leaning more towards film i was sourcing film hence why i live here and i'm for 17 years writing for f movies there was always a passion and love that i was trying to figure out inside me i found something that inspired me with goa I felt it could work if I could figure out the arrangement, the structure and the key. I knew I could take you on a journey because that's really what every DJ does or should do. Um, and I knew, I, I, knew, I knew that if I arranged it right, I knew I could take you on that journey and connect with you. So it was a few reworks. It was a few approaches, but it, 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 it did I knew it was gonna did I know that it was gonna do that well? No, of course not. But I'm surprised that in all this time I'm we're still talking about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, another part of the mix that when we were listening to your commentary we found interesting was that you enlisted a traditional trance opening to this set. Now, at that time in 1994. Was that already established as the traditional opening, no. or is this just something that... No, that, that whole... It's common now <laughs> to open a set with um, no drums and to do the big intro and everyone pops up and waves. It wasn't then. None of it was common then. You know, a DJ would just put their head down and wouldn't engage with the crowd. I got a lot of stick for that, actually, because... I was touring with you too, and I I learned so much from them. I saw the the performance aspect of it. I I respected that. I realised prior to the Goa mix that with my shows I needed to step them up, and from to it for it to be more than just me turning up with my head down and doing what you do. So that was a big change. As I said earlier, there was a lot of things came together and worked yeah definitely so you kind of said it like can't believe you're here sitting 26 years later talking about the goa mix and i had mentioned that it was voted the number one essential mix by the fans so i'm guessing that means something yeah, and i also course. got a silver award but we're sitting here all these years later why do you think the mix and what you did with the mix is so timeless That's a good question. I mean, <coughs> look, did I ever think that we would get a silver award? I think we came second to Beethoven, uh, which was from, 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 you know, and then UCLA, UCLA in their music department analysed it, which I was there, and they, they broke it down um, to the next two, three generations two generations later and studied it and that was quite a, a you know a big moment for me because in, in music programs and places like that when they study music they look into it a step deeper than sometimes a step deep a step deeper than you actually set out to make it so i actually took some things from that and i was like okay well you know, I put my heart and soul into that. There was a lot of time and effort and energy, and it just it just connected. 
And sometimes in music, that's how music works. And it's the best feeling in the world when people come up to you and talk to you and say you put a smile on their face and through the music that you make and play. But did I know it was going to work? Of course not. You, no one does. But for me, all you can do with your hand on your heart is try your hardest and see what happens. I just want to thank you for um, taking the time to speak with us and teach us about this mix. Um, I know a lot of your dedicated fans, but also new fans, are going to be really excited to check yeah. this out. I, I I hope that the new fans, they enjoy it for what it is. But the secret with the Goa mix is you just got to keep listening to it. The more you listen to it, the more you're going to find hidden treasures in there. You're going to find a melodic line. You're going to find a moment where you're like, wow, I like that. What movie is it from? And then you're like, that's from Blade Runner. That's from Dracula. You know, these are big Hollywood movies. You'll find moments in that mix that you may want, may want you to go and explore the roots of where these tracks come from. Yeah, it's exciting. And I think that's how we're going to spend our night tonight is re-listening to it with all this new information. But it's great. Um, yeah, thanks, man. This was this was really awesome. We brought you some gifts that we just like to give you quickly. Gifts? Yeah, some gifts. We got you. Vegan brand bread made this morning. Here, one sec. We have to get this on. We have to get this on camera. Banana bread. Five bananas in there. Wow. Yeah, vegan banana bread. Why, is that what you guys eat? You're vegans? Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> Nice. Thank you. What size shirt do you like, medium or large? Medium. Perfect. Perfect. Vegan banana bread. <laughs> These are yours. When I see you guys, man, I'm going to be like this. No, you're going to be like shredded. <laughs> shredded.